And I know that you're anxious to go home and get your food for your picnic and <laughs> want to get out of here. So this is what we're going to do. When you stand up and leave, I'm going to stop preaching. No, just a joke. All right, okay. <laughs> was in a country one time. I won't mention the country. They were just done hearing preachers, and I was the last preacher on the docket. And I got up, and about 600 people just all started talking to each other at the same time. They were, they were like, we're done. I'm, I'm hoping for better things this, uh, this morning. Uh, amen. What a, what a, it is a great honor. Thank you for those great words, J.O. My wife didn't get a chance to get up here and speak this morning in this service, but Sue, would you stand up? This is my lovely wife, Sue. And, uh, and, uh, been my wife for 38 years. 38 years. We have four, we have four daughters and uh, live to tell about it. And uh, we have eight grandchildren, six in diapers, and, and they're all planning to have more kids. So we'll probably have about 12 to 16 grandkids. And it's just great just growing old and having friends and seeing God advance the kingdom of God. And we get all this in heaven too, huh? Amen. We get all this in heaven too. And so just to be here at your 10-year anniversary, I have been addressing different topics out of, the, out of the book of Joshua, because book of Joshua, to me, is a book about a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God who is fulfilling his promises to a small, insignificant, weak people. I take incredible comfort that God chose me in my weakness. And it's not just a trite statement. It was really the journey of my life because of my background I won't get too much into that, but I was raised by a single parent who was a paranoid schizophrenic and a hoarder. And so I spent 20 years in garbage and filth and humiliation and malnutrition and rejection and abandonment and abuse and all sorts of things. And I was a pretty wounded kid when I came into the kingdom of God. And what I didn't understand is that God used my scars and I was trying to wipe them away. And uh, in that, I, I found that God wanted to use me in great liberty. One of the great comfort scriptures that came to me is when Jesus said, agree with your adversary quickly. Because it didn't matter what people thought about me. It mattered what God thought about me. And God didn't choose me because I was strong. He chose me really because I was a wreck. And so all my weaknesses and all my flops were really my qualification to be an instrument in his hand. So people would come into me, and I was a youth pastor of a big, large church, and so people had high standards for their kids, you know, that's your little Johnny, that's your little Marky, and, you know, and uh, you, 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 you made him cry at youth group, and, you know, I don't know why Pastor Iverson has chosen you to be the youth pastor, and I would say, that makes two of us. <laughs> I was just liberated. I mean, I think you're really disqualified. I, I think I am too. Unfortunately, God chose me, and so we got to work with me. I got to work with me. You got to work with me. So I've taken great, great excitement and, and, and a great honor that God wants to fulfill his promises in a people who are insignificant, and no names and little talent. So the fact that you're here today is not a compliment. But you have a great God who wants to mightily, mightily work through you. And I'm going to talk this morning, the theme has been 10 years strong, and I'm going to talk to you about the, the presence of God and a people moving forward. You know, the, the, the presence of God or God being among us, you know, through the Holy Spirit is, is not a theology of feeling. 
We've kind of lately in the last 20 years have really narrowed down the Holy Spirit to a feeling experience. Woo! Was it ever anointed? You know, I love it when someone says, man, that guy was anointed last night preaching. Really, what, what did he say? Uh, he was just anointed. <laughs> like what it was said. Guy was just, man, he was something else. He rocked it. Well, what did he rock? And so we kind of look things at a feeling. You know, I was laid out. I was levitated. I was nailed to the wall. I wept all night. And, and, and I, I believe in manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Please don't get me wrong on that. But the Holy Spirit is, can't be reduced down to a feeling. We want God. We want his presence here at Heart of the City Church. And you have the presence of God at, at City Harvest Church because we want God to reveal himself. We want God to reveal himself so he can guide us. And this is what Jesus, remember him? This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 says, however, when he, it's not an it, it's he, it's a person, it's the third person of the Godhead. When God comes in the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, he, he the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. He will guide you into truth. I need the presence of God. You need the presence of God. Heart of the city needs the presence of God. My church needs the presence of God because we need the Holy Spirit to guide us into what God wants us to do. You know, Jesus said, there's many things I can tell you now, but you can't bear them. I mean, that's incredible. He's getting ready to get crucified and be raised from the dead and ascended to heaven. And I got a lot of things to tell you, but you're just not ready. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to lead you into truth, and he's going to bring to your remembrance things that I've said to you. He's going to bring understanding to it. Well, we want the Holy Spirit because we want to get near to God. We want the Holy Spirit to do to us and reveal God to us, make God visible to us. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. There's a new, there's a new truth for the body of Christ today. Love you, my Father will love you, and I will come to you, and I will manifest infinito. I will make myself visible to you. And so we want the presence of God at Heart of the City Church because we want the Lord to lead the house. He's going to use jail. You'll see me say that in a second. But we need to see the Holy Spirit working. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So in the Old Testament, the presence of God was symbolized through a piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. If you're not familiar with the Bible, and it's okay. My little sister is starting to get interested in becoming a follower of Jesus, and we gave her a Bible. She lives in Seattle, and she says, I've been reading my Bible. And I said, you have? Oh, yeah, I don't understand anything. <laughs> okay. Well, what book are you reading? The Bible. <laughs> well, what book? In the, the Bible. <laughs> I always, it's always exciting. Remember, you had one, one of our small groups back in days when Joe and Ray Dean were at our church, and I think J.O. said, turn to the book of Mark. The new convert got all ticked off. He said, I, was just getting to know, I was just getting to know the Bible. Now you're giving me another book to read. <laughs> well, if you don't know the story of the Old Testament, just think of um, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay? <laughs> that piece of ark, you know, the lost ark. That piece of furniture symbolized in the Old Testament the presence of God among the people. And that presence was going to guide them. Wherever that ark went, they went. Now, sometimes there was physical manifestations 
above that ark and sometimes there were not. But it represented God being among the people. And here we are. I want you to turn your Bibles to Joshua 3. Because we are, we are here at a place in Israel's history where they're getting ready to possess what God wanted to, to give them as their inheritance. In Joshua chapter 3, I'm going to read the, the whole chapter, verse 1 through 17, and then we'll break it down. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It was the official version of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> it says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, verse 1 of chapter 3. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know that the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, or separate yourself, prepare yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan, step into the river. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you'll know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and every ite. Verse 11. I hate those ites. Had a little case of them last week. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into in the Jordan. How many people know that God always goes before us? Before we arrive, he's already set the scene. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that came down from the upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. And so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. Sometimes God's timing is not convenient. But the waters which came down from the upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeraton. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground. They didn't know it was dry ground until they stepped into the wet ground. In the midst of the Jordan, all Israel crossed on dry, over on dry land. And all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. 
So they're here at the Jordan. They're ready to possess the land. But how are they going to cross the Jordan? There's no bridges. The water was high because the winter runoff. This is harvest time. This is spring. There's an estimation that the river was most likely 300 feet across. It was huge. 300 feet. It's 100 yards. That's a football field. Water was deep. The Jordan can, can, can move swiftly, high currents. This was not a logical place to try to wade through some water. Now, the same, the same is for us today. God, God was going to guide these people across. Right. And this is what this story is about. I'm going I'm to get you across. You don't know how to get across, but I'm going to get you across. You don't know what the future is to heart of the city church. I mean, what a wonderful thing. Two services this morning, packed out. I mean, just how many people are getting saved? Jill feels that by statistics, you've had over 400 decisions in the last 12 months. You don't know where you're going, but you know who knows where you're going? The Holy Spirit knows where you're going. There's a scripture that says, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. When I was preparing to start our church some 19 years ago, I was on a, I was on a long fast. I actually... I actually completed a 30-day fast in 26 days. It was a miracle. <laughs> Incredible fast. You say, why'd you stop? I was hungry. <laughs> Lord spoke to me out of, the, out, of the, out of the life of David. He said, David wanted to build God a house. He says, no, but I'm going to build you a house. The Lord says, Bob, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. Wow. Heart of the city is actually an outworking of the house that God told me he was going to build. This is not the only church we've planted. And so we've had the great honor of building a church and multiplying that church in different regions around the country and the world. And it's just been an exciting journey. But he says, I'm going to do it, Bob. You're not going to do it. You want to do it. That's good. Nice, son. But I'm going to build the house. J.O., you're going to be involved in building the house. You're going to work with me, but I'm going to build the house is the spirit. But what would God say to us in instruction from this story applied to our life here? Well, first he would say this, follow it. Now, what, would we, what was he saying when he said follow? I want you to follow the ark of the presence of God. And he commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the coming of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Now the key to your future is that your leadership, your pastors, your elders, everybody here, your small group leaders, and everybody in the congregation, that they follow the Holy Spirit. The key is that we become a spirit-formed people. The key is we begin to discern the Spirit. The key is that we would hear what the Spirit wants to do. The key is that it just wouldn't be your pastor seeing the vision, but the whole church sees the vision by the Spirit. There are a lot of pastors on one side of their own Jordan River, and the people are on the other side. Hey, come on over! Jericho! Sorry, Pastor. We, we don't see it. It moves when everybody hears, when everybody sees not just following a man, we're following what God wants to do. This is the Lord. Follow it. We've got to become chasers of God. Chasers of the book. 
chasers of the spirit, chasers of the mission of God. We got to be chasers of God, not just people just, man, I heard that's kind of cool church. I want to sit in there and listen to the, you know, the man of God manifest. A jail can manifest. That was great. That was a great show. Great show. I hate it when people say, that was a nice talk. That was a what, son? But he also said, keep your distance. This is kind of interesting. Follow this thing. Go after it. But keep your distance. Joshua 3, 4 says, yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. 2,000 cubits is close to a mile. Close to a mile. I want the whole nation to keep a mile from the ark. Well, first, it's kind of obvious that, that the presence of God was a very sacred thing in the, whole, in the Old Testament. Even in Exodus 19, they, when, when God was going to come down and give the Ten Commandments, God says, don't let the people come near the mountain. So the presence of God was sacred, and we need to honor and be reverent to the Holy Spirit. I, I get concerned sometimes when we talk about spiritual things, and we talk about the activity of the Holy Spirit, we treat it so loosely and and, and just and make trite statements and, and just te- treat it as something common. He's the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be funny and, and, and have humor and be ourselves, but there is a respect for the Holy Spirit. And I watch sometimes people get loose with it, and God's out for a serious work to heal and deliver and transform people. It's, it's pretty serious work. Now, I don't have to put on a you know, a Pentecostal personality. I can be me. But I got to honor the Spirit of God. But more so, the reason why they had to stay a mile away, because when they normally journeyed, let's look at the history, the Ark of the Covenant traveled in the middle of the 12 tribes. The Kohathites would carry it they were kind of supported out of the tribe of Levi, but not yet not a part of the Aaronic priesthood. They would carry the ark. Six tribes would go out. They'd be right in the middle of it in the journey. It would be all covered up. No one really saw the ark then. But now everybody is going to see the ark. Can we catch in this now? Everybody's got to see the vision. Everybody's got to hear the voice of God. Everybody's got to be a spirit-formed believer. J.O.'s here, the team's here to equip you, but by faith you stand. Paul said this, not that we take dominion over your faith, 2 Corinthians 1.24, but we are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. I'm going on a vacation. What am I going to do? Try praying? (laughs) Try reading your Bible? Try calling out to God? Try following the Spirit? Hey, The leadership is supposed to be keeping up with the activity of the Spirit, not the opposite way around. They shouldn't be having elders meetings. Man, what's going on? I mean, down by the resort, there's a big revival, and Charlie's down there gathering people all over the place, having a Bible study. Guy just, you know, broke out speaking in tongues. Another guy got healed, and then five people came in and just started crying, gave their life to Jesus, and, well, who commissioned him? (laughs) The Holy Spirit. He He just felt led. That's what the apostles did. They were trying to keep up with the acts of the Holy Spirit. 
Did you know that that teenager baptized 100 people from his high school campus? Who gave him permission? God. Let's go down and see what God's doing. But everybody's got to see it. Everybody's got to follow it. That's why, that's why they had to see it. It, was, it wasn't normal marching procedures. They had no bridge. It was high water. It was current. How's, how are we going to do this? Well, the Holy Spirit knows. Jo and Ray Dean could never conceive what you see today 10 years ago. If I sat out, you know, map this out for me. I'm going to tell you that they wouldn't have mapped this out. They wanted to win people to Jesus. They were going to be happy if they gathered a few people and survived. But the Holy Spirit had something. And they kept following. And the people kept following. And now you have this today. Everybody's got to see it. Everybody has to know the directions, not just the pastor. We've got to hear it as a people. Third thing the whole Lord would say to us out of this is prepare yourself for heaven's intervention. He said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, as the Lord will do wonders among you. If God is going to do wonders among us, we have to prepare ourselves. We want revival without preparation. We want God to use us on an unprepared place. Exodus 19, you tell the people to prepare themselves from coming down on the mountain to give them the Ten Commandments. Before Jesus arrives on the scene, there was a man by the name of John the Baptist. He was one that came out of the wilderness to, to, to make straight the paths of the Lord. What, what was that about, making straight the crooked places and bringing up the valleys and bringing down the mountains? The custom of that day is when a dignitary came to visit a region, they had to prepare the highway from all its ruts and crookedness and everything else so it would be a smooth highway for the king to get to them. And John was saying, you guys got to prepare yourself for Jesus. Prepare yourself for Jesus. I know a mission organization that goes amongst unreached people groups that don't know anything about the Bible. And you know where they start teaching the, the Bible? From Genesis. They don't even do the gospel the first, like, year. They take them all the way from Genesis to Malachi. They prepare, they, they show them the whole plan of God and a sacrificial system and substitutionary death. And then they introduce Jesus as the Lamb of God. And all of a sudden, we know who that is. Jesus on the cross? That's like Abraham offering Isaac. Oh, yeah. That means he's the Lamb of God. He's taken away sin like they took away sin through animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. And whole people groups give their life to Jesus. We've got to prepare ourselves for Jesus. If Jesus is going to come to City Harvest coming and he's active, he wants to do more, then we've got to consecrate ourselves. You know, the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, he said, listen, Come out from among them and do not touch any unclean thing, and I will receive you, says the Lord. Ooh. New Testament. That's apostle grace. There's a lot of people that camp on justification. Justification is free. I, I call upon God, and he says, Bob, you're forgiven because of my son. Justification is free. Friendship will cost me. And everyone's satisfied in justification, but if you want friendship, you're going to have to go deeper. If you want to be an instrument, you're going to have to go deeper. 
God's going to take you to another level. You're going to go deeper. Prepare yourself for a visitation of God. Sometimes people look at people like Seth Owens, and we just love Seth because he's so extreme. Maybe he's the norm. I know he has his own personality that God made him, and I know the intensity of his dad, and he's got a lot of his genes in him, and I understand that. But why not be bananas for Jesus? You remember that woman who broke that alabaster box? And apostles go, why all this waste? And Jesus says, wait a minute, she's, she's doing it to prepare my burial. Wherever this gospel's preached, that woman's act of absolute extreme extravagant sacrifice is to be preached. How much do we adore Jesus for him to visit us? Consecrate yourselves for I'm going to visit you. The next thing he would say is witness my anointing. He said to Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. God is going to move among the church, but God's not going to move around his leader. He's going to move through his leader, and he's going to move with his leader. He's going to move with the people, but he's going to move with his leader. We kind of live in a, an egalitarian culture we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and all men are created equal and everyone has an inheritance and everyone has value we're all sons and daughters when we get to heaven who knows the last will be first jesus said but not all people are called the same and not all people have the same calling and place in the body of christ and we got to recognize and honor those placements so that we can move with the holy spirit he says joshua I'm going to let the people know that I am with you. The Apostle Paul says, I have the signs of an apostle. Signs and wonders are upon me. He also said one of the signs is suffering also. More glory, more suffering. Higher you go, the narrower it gets. But God wants you to know that he's with your leader. So he'll validate your leader. He'll anoint your leader. He'll favor your leader. He'll believe something, and God will come through for him. Because the people need to know our leader has a relationship with God. I tell leaders all the time, if you do not have a relationship with God, and God does not validate you, you'll never win the people over. I'm not into titles. You can call me yuck if you want. My validation is not in my title. My validation is in my anointing. As long as I have the goods, I have authority. What gives me authority is the Holy Spirit. And so God is going to come and put his touch on your leaders. You're going to see God is with our leaders. That doesn't mean that God's not with you, but he is with your leaders in a special grace for a specific task. And then he'll say, pass the faith test. He says, and for you, and as you, and as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters in the Jordan, that you shall stand in the Jordan. Now, this is prophetic direction here. I want you in the worst time to ever step foot in that river when it's at its highest watermark at its most intense current where you can drown. I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant and I want you to step into the river. Sometimes prophetic direction is contrary to all common sense. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. But God's in it. And faith is following that when it's high water time and 
banks are overflowing and, and I could drown. My father in the faith taught me that faith does not operate in the realm of the comfortable, but the realm of the uncomfortable. You're sitting here, and I can do this. You know, I got this and this and this in place and this in place and this in place and this in place. I got it all here. I can do it. That's not faith. You're operating within your self-sufficiency. I don't have this, and I don't have this, and we'll need this. Let's move forward. Now you're operating in faith. He said, I want you to go into that river. I want you to pass the faith test because they failed the faith test before. When they sent the 12 spies in there. You know why Joshua sent two spies into Jericho and told them to be quiet and don't say anything to anybody? Because the last time spies went in and they opened their mouth, it destroyed everything. Joshua knew that. Why were they walking around silent around the city? Because he understood the power of negative confession. But now, now you're going over. You're going to pass this test, and here's your test. Step into the river. And then he said to Joshua, prophesy. Prophesy. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Jael's responsibility, his job as a leader is to prophesy to this people what God wants to do in this house. He's going to have to be a mouthpiece for God. This is what God wants to do. This is what God is going to do. God is for us. God is toward us. God is with us. Come on, let's move forward. He's going to prophesy. That's what, that's what, that's what Joshua Watch what happens when they step into the river. That hadn't happened yet. It's like praying for the sick. Come on, you're going to see yourself get healed. You declare those things which are that are not as though they were. We speak faith. It's going to stretch you. It's going to stretch your faith. It's going to stretch your virtue. It's going to stretch your money. But if you're not getting stretched, I'm not saying how tense that stretch, you're just going to go nowhere. It's easy to come into a building, what you have accomplished, and just settle down. Oh, man, we worked so hard. And it's good to have a party. It's good to have a picnic. It's good to have a great summer. But you're going to give into some seasons where God is going to stretch you. What would happen if the Lord spoke and said, you know what? I want Heart of the City of Church to have 10,000 people in it. Well, that wouldn't be cool. I just, I would never be able to get an appointment and coffee with jail. <laughs> What if God, but God wouldn't do that. Why? Because it doesn't fit my paradigm. What if 50 of you are going to get sent out to countries like Honduras? What if city, Heart of the City Church is going to plant 30 churches and a fourth of you won't be here long? Comfortable. What if... Those guys with signs out there, it's just the norm. Your name gets written up in the paper and someone attacks and a lawsuit comes and this and that. Well, that won't happen. We're nice people. Well, the devil doesn't care about that. Well, 
that's, that's not fun. You're in war. They didn't cross that river just to have a picnic on the other side. They were going to dispossess the enemy. This is beautiful country. I love where you live. I love the Northwest. I love Idaho. I love the mountains. But you got a lot of devil work around here. You got a lot of sick people around here. You got a lot of people who have been darkened by deception around here. You got a lot of people who are angry around here. You got a lot of people who need to get delivered around here. You got work to do. going to pass the faith test. He's going to prophesy. What else would God say? Watch God work. Joshua said, here is how you shall know the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, even the Jebusites. Jebusites were the ones who occupied Jerusalem. That didn't happen until David was king. What happens when everybody is following the Spirit, when everybody is seeing the vision, when everybody is consecrating themselves to the will of God, when everybody is recognizing the anointing on their pastor and willing to follow the prophetic direction of the church, even if it stretches them. I'm going to tell you what's happened. You're going to see miracles take place. You're going to write storybooks. God will drive out darkness, deliver people that you think is impossible to be delivered, bring people back. I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. You'll have story after story of healings, story after story of deliverances, story after story of converts. You'll be thinking like, what a miracle place, this place called Heart of the City Church, because God is in your midst. God is working for you. The last two things you would say is take the risk. And as soon as those burying the ark had come as far as the Jordan, they're at the bank there, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. Notice this. As soon as their feet. Signs follow believers. Believers don't follow signs. God is over there working. God is here. God is there working. God is here. Jesus said, Remember Jesus? Jesus said this. The kingdom of heaven is among you. Well, they're more open than we are. Not, oh, why? You can be open. Said last service, we're always praying and believing for a move of God. You're the move of God. You move, God moves. If you're playing hours, God move, God move, God move, God move you got to start becoming part of the answer to your prayer. Wow. had a guy in my office. I wanted to help him. didn't go to my church, but he came to see me once in a while. Old friend of mine, he was just crying. Bob, I see sick people. I just don't know. I can't even stop crying. I can't stop crying. I said, well, why don't you pray for him? 
quit crying. Start praying. You say, are you always this hard-nosed? No, I just had to crawl out of a lot of junk by faith. I just had to conquer a lot of things believing in what God would do if I did. I know this church will go to heights they can't even imagine if it just believes and moves with the direction of God. And last, give God the glory. It's very interesting when the children of Israel were all crossed over. The riverbed's dry. The priests are still in the river with the ark. Joshua set up 12 stones. He sent guys in the middle of the river to get 12 stones. He set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. He actually piled them high in the river. In the place where the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the covenant stood. And they are there to this day. Daddy, what's that bunch of rocks coming out of the water? Son, that is where the priest stood when God led us into our destiny. Give God glory. Look what the Lord has done. I know your pastors. I know that they will give God glory. I know their humility. Celebrate. Celebrate every healing. Celebrate every salvation. Celebrate every deliverance. Celebrate every church plant. I don't know if you've been down to down into the Arizona area, northern Arizona, Phoenix. You got a church plant that's just rock. I was there in rocketing. I was there in November. Sue and I were in. I mean, people were getting saved and filled with the Spirit and touched, and the place was just rattled. They're doing an incredible job. They're moving forward in great faith. You're going to have a great work in Honduras, but don't stop there. Let the Spirit lead you. Stay back so you can see it. Be in communion with the Holy Spirit so you can follow it. And God will do such a great work that you'll just pinch yourself. And I cannot believe that he's done this. Habakkuk said, I'll do such a work in your day that though it were told you, though it were told you, you would not believe it. Let's get our faith up. Let's stand to our feet right now. Amen. 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 God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. You're so good. Lord, you're so good. You're so good to this church. You're so good to these people. You're so good to all of us. Father God, we thank you in the name of Jesus for all that you're doing. For all that you're doing. Amen. Amen. My brother right here, I'm telling you, the hand of God is on you in such a powerful way. You're like Jeremiah. He says, the word of God was in me like fire shot up in my bones. And I'm telling you something. This is a day of new things for you. God's going to expand you, expand your capacity to lead, expand your capacity to speak, expand your capacity to reach people. You are locked up like one of those jack-in-the-boxes. And we're going to do this. And pop goes my brother. You're going to come out of the box because of the hand of God is on you. Leadership is on you. Men will flock to you, flock to you. Is this your wife right next to you right here? You're going to have couples coming to you like magnets. You're going to be like Pied Pipers. And you've gone through a lot of stuff, but God's got you to the other end. You're just thinking about the storm. But God says, I just took you through the storm. You're on the other side now. 
You know, I want to say that the past is gone. The past is gone. The past is gone. You're not to be tormented by that anymore. You're not to be disqualified because there's great things God wants to do with you now. It's a new day. It's a new identity. You're going to be a strength to this church. You're going to be up here sharing your testimony, sharing your story. People are going to get saved. People are going to say, I want to be like them. I'm telling you, God's taking lemons and turning into lemonade for you. He is a God of restoration. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name right now for, God, what you're doing in this couple's lives. We thank you for the power of God on their lives in Jesus' name, doing wonderful things and God leading many to Christ. Cheryl, you and your husband right here, I'm going to tell you something. God is going to restore dreams that you had even as a young adult. There's certain things that you've said, you know, maybe, you know, I can't have that, but I'll settle for this. God says, stop that thinking. You're, set, you're to go for everything. There was a day that you saw yourself on a platform and conferences before women, and it's going to take place. God is going to open doors for you. You're going to have to learn how to tell your story because your story is not pretty in one sense, but it's beautiful in another sense. And the two of you are just going to know what it is like God's sending us here and sending us there and sending us there. And uh, your husband's name? Joshua. Joshua. Oh, there we go. Come on, baby. Come on. I'm telling you, brother, you got business counsel on you. Word of wisdom in business. And God's going to give you, you're going to help people with their ministries. I want to launch this, how to do it. I see you helping people with their books and their books are a mess. And you're cleaning up their books and you're saying, don't do that. You'll go broken. God's giving you counsel. Counsel. What a great couple. You guys are going to be devastating people, but you're going to beautify the body of Christ. Cheryl, you're going to beautify women. You're going to beautify women. Because God, through your journey, has driven out all vanity. And you're only going to be the purity of a message of the gospel is going to flow through you. You're to, you're to dream again. Dream again. Father, in Jesus' name, dream again. Dream again. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for people that are here today. Let's lift our hands to Jesus. We want everything you have for us. Lord God, we want the Holy Ghost. We want the vision of God. We want the voice of God. We want the power of God. We want to be used as evangelistically. Come on, right now, I pray J.O.'s anointing on everyone. We want to be anointed like our pastor to win the loss, Lord God. Lord, I see so many people getting saved that they're not able to keep up with it. It's just going to be, there's going to be magazine articles. There's going to be newspaper articles of all these people from the north and the south and the east and the west. They're just going to come to a place, oh, God, to be received by a people. They're led by a man and led by a woman who knows what it is to lead out of brokenness and lead out of the fires that they've come out of, uh, that they would say, God, it's just been so good. We don't even know what this is. And God says, great, I can work through you. And there's coming hundreds. Uh, there's coming hundreds uh, out of darkness, uh, out of every place and nook and cranny. God's going to bring them in divine appointments. Everybody leave with an awareness that the Lord is going to connect you you to people. And this is going to be a year of explosion of harvest, even in this house. 
little gradual, 50 people here, 25 people here, buckle your seatbelts. Uh, there's coming an acceleration that's going to astound you, says your God. This is a new day, day of the intensity of the preparation of God, and you're a people equal to the task, says your God, and I will move wonders among you. <laughs> 